You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 129 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with the very well-travelled Gina Militia. Isn't that right? (laughs) Yes. How are you, Val? I'm good. I'm good. But I think that uh, you probably have more exciting tales to tell than I do. A little bit jet lagged. Go on. A little bit jet lagged. I think I've been on about six uh, planes in the last uh, couple of weeks, but mm-hmm. had an amazing time. I was being in India in uh, Cochin, which is like in the southwest. Always have been there before, but always wanted to go back and uh, shoot it properly. So I did this time. I spent about five days just there based in the one spot doing uh, right. lots of portrait shots that I've posted some of those on my Instagram and I think I shared a little video in the podcast group of uh, behind the scenes of one of the shoots that we did so had like I I feel like I feel like that when I'm just shooting um uh work gigs Val like like for other people all the time I feel like I'm kind of uh eating uh like a a a regular diet right and I'm just (laughs) like it 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 fills me up it does the job but it's not the same as when you do like these sorts of uh personal projects and stuff that I really want to do I feel like I've gorged on a a beautiful buffet of all my favorite foods so I'm full wow it was just it's it's even if you can't like obviously not everyone can jump on a plane and go wherever they want but like Mm. doing when you can do personal projects like the stuff that lives in your head the stuff that you think about all the time to be able Mm. to go out and shoot that and even if it means just taking a half an hour and doing something that you like playing with a light or experimenting with something it just changes everything and it just like it's very satisfying I guess like you dreaming about some macrame design (laughs) that you want to do but like obviously I've just been talking to you about that you're very excited about your new hobby Val it's like lovely it's not called macrame Gina what's it called rope art (laughs) it's macrame Val no it's it's I do rope art oh it's rope rope art art. okay so when you I'm a rope artist Yes, so but that sounds a bit kinky, actually. Do you I know, know. It it's does. A little, it's yeah. like it's so many meanings there, so many lines that I won't touch. But when you True. have your um, one-woman show <laughs> at the next Biennale, which is where, <laughs> we have to find out where so you can actually apply because oh, that'd be funny. right up the sort of rope art would be fit in well, sure, don't you think? Yeah. 
Yeah, why not? <laughs> like somewhere like Venice or they're always in beautiful, amazing locations. Mm. And it'll be, yeah, the Valerie Coup, the, the, the rope art, and you'll have really great names for everything, I'm sure. Mm. <laughs> you got a name for your latest work? You put latest, and it's not, it's your latest piece. This is a piece. my latest piece that I'm working on That's my rope right. art. And there's That's lots of right. negative space. And this is about the, you know, there's lots of, lots of depth and meaning into a couple of bits of string that are hanging from a bit, a stick that you found. The found yeah, objects right. are woven together and it's like nature and, um, you know, up against, I could, yeah. That, but that's your job to write your artist's mission statement, Val. Okay, I'll let you know when I'm ready. But a big delivery of uh, rope arrived today because um, I ran out. So I'm now ordering in bulk. I found uh-huh. bulk yeah. people who Good. will bulk um, give me bulk rates. Organic. And uh, there's a variety because I'm trying out a variety of different suppliers. Mm-hmm. And so um, two deliveries came today from two different suppliers. So I shall be busy in the next, you know, couple of weeks or so, I would say. So watch out for more pieces next piece. to emerge. <laughs> yes, it's wonderful, Valerie. Have you started yes. wearing a cape yet? A cape? I just no. feel like you should, like, you know, dress the part if you're going to be a rope artist now. This, like, I think the wardrobe needs to go a little bit away from the corporate look that I see you in sometimes. Maybe <laughs> well, we're going to see you in torn jeans at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, Gina. I'll let you know. I'll keep everyone updated. And, yeah, you, you never know. But at least my rope art is going to enable me to see you soon because I, I am going to be <laughs> popping down to Melbourne and you will actually gate crash my first ever rope art workshop. So you don't do Correct. things by half, do you, Val? You're just like, yeah, I might become a rope artist and now suddenly you're in demand doing <laughs> rope art workshops, That's exclusive, right. you know. Bes- Bizarre. People saw, yeah, the images of the rope art on uh, Instagram and said, can you please come and do a workshop? So I said, okay. Dreams come true, people. <laughs> Dreams come true. <laughs> we knew Val when she was before. She was a rope artist. Before sometimes when you don't the... even dream them. It <laughs> 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 just happened. It's really weird. Anyway, oh, yoga this is Good on you. Yeah, hashtag blessed. This blessed. isn't a podcast about rope art, believe it or not. You, if you're so new you want to, to be this a rope podcast, artist, your next podcast, yeah. no, for sure. <laughs> it must be. Yeah, I don't think so. But if you're new to this podcast, this is, in fact, a podcast about photography. And um, it's uh, often it's Gina downloading all of her incredible experience and skills and knowledge. And I have a very keen interest in photography and have known Gina for a very long time. So I'm the one that asks all of the questions that are possibly in your head as you're listening to Gina talk. Now, um, 
We also, Gina and I have worked together many times over the past couple of decades. So that's always been great fun. And I love learning from her, which is why I love asking the questions. But I believe that we have a shout out uh, to Michael Go. Is that right, Gina? One of yeah, our Mike- listeners. Michael Go, one of our listeners who also happens to be an amazing photographer. We often see his work pop up in the podcast uh, page. And it's been in the Australian, as and, in the uh, Australian like, yes, magazine. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just whenever I see his work, I just go, oh, my God, that's amazing. So he, he's mm. uh, always off in very remote locations where there isn't a lot of light pollution and he does these amazing astro uh, photography images and he mm. was listening to the podcast episode we had on optimizing um, images for print and yeah. uh, shared an image that, uh, that where he just mentions that uh, astro photography images are really uh, look best when they're printed on high gloss surfaces because it brings out the contrast like in the stars and so yeah. uh, he, he likes to print his on metal and he's shared an image of a little girl holding up one of his prints uh, and like it looks incredible. I've printed some of my stuff on uh, metal before and it does look amazing and I actually do prefer uh, my prints on gloss paper surfaces as well because it gives them depth yeah, rather right. than because when they're matte, they seem to look a little dull and they do lose a little bit of contrast. So uh, keen to hear uh, listeners' thoughts on what they prefer as as uh, gloss or satin or, or or matte as a as as a surface for for their prints and what other surfaces they've tried because I think I've tried wood and. Um, uh, plaster as well, and so you how can- have you printed on things like wood plaster and metal? Well, I haven't physically done it myself like you do macrame, yes. Val. Sure. I'm not that hands on, but, but, how but do you there are places that you just give, give them the give them the the file and uh, they'll print it on. So I've got uh, right. yeah, I've tried a couple of different ways, and it's uh, it's it's worth trying. And if you you know if you want to try at the lower end of that market, you can just go to a Walmart or a Kmart and get your photo printed onto a coffee cup, Val. Yeah, well, well, you know. Okay. So pretty yeah, much sure. anything you can, any surface you can print on. Um, yeah. So, but but uh, yeah, worth worth experimenting with, I say. So, so beautiful, put, beautiful. We've put an image of Michael's image in the show notes, which is uh, which you can find at ginamilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And, of course, if we refer to any links or resources or other images, um, you can also find them in the show notes. Now, we want to give a shout-out also to Shua Smith, who asked in the uh, Facebook group for some um, feedback on some images that he posted in there. And he's posted a couple of images of a a girl with long red hair in a very 1950s pin-up style of dress. Um, Mm. And she's, you know, it's like a polka-dotted thing with a halter neck and a sweetheart neckline. So it does look very 1950s in the blue dress. So there's a real contrast with her hair. And she's also got kind of 1950s makeup on. 
And she's and and Schwa has said, I did a bit a bit of a themed photo shoot in fifties pinup style, and these are my first two initial edits on the full length one. So there's one that's sort of cropped under the chest, and one that is um, a little bit longer. I'm probably going to change the background to make it more of a seamless paper than my wrinkled muslin. But my question is this, how can I make these photos really pop? What am I missing? What would you do? So, uh, Gina, take it away. Well, so I I think you've done a great job on these images in terms of the expression is really strong and they do sort of evoke another era to me they do have that 1950s look so I think you've captured that I don't know I I, I do think that the lighting is a little flat but that is also reminiscent of the era so I'm not sure you could uh, do a lot more with the lighting they probably need a a touch more contrast and probably if you were going to uh, not change if you weren't going to change the backgrounds I'd probably uh, think about using a Uh, maybe a block color as a background so you could I mean you can get roll paper to use as a background or you can um, always use if you find a wall that is uh, like a a light gray and you light the wall with uh, gels you can you can light it any color that you want and that is going to make the subject pop you can pick a contrasting color so if you were uh, the girls wearing blue you could have like a yellow background or a red background, a contrasting color, and that would uh, add to to the look and feel. And I would avoid using cloth uh, as a background because you see all the wrinkles, and that just gives ex- that makes extra work for you to actually retouch those. Yeah. So that's probably what I do. It, it does need a, a titch more contrast. Uh, so playing around with the post production and like ma- really making the eyes uh, sparkle, but I think the makeup and the hair and, and the styling and, and everything about it. Is, is enough. It's a strong enough thing. So I've probably only changed the background. But what he's done in the end, with some help with uh, from some of the members, uh, Fred Long. Paul, uh, Ian Hume and, and Natalie Ord all chipped in and gave him some advice and he yeah. went ahead and he's changed the background. He's put the American flag behind her and uh, he's given it a, a kind of a really vintage treatment and I think it looks amazing. I love what, what he's come up with as a final result. So he's gone the other way. It's gone a more pastel tone to it. I think it works. I think it's a, a really strong, beautiful image and definitely of that sort of pin-up uh, sort of uh, style from, from that era. So fantastic job there. Yeah, great job, Shua. And um, Shua posted this in the Facebook group for uh, this, for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast listeners. So if you want to join the Facebook group, it's free to join and it's a great place to chat with other like-minded photographers who listen to the podcast. And um, it's such a great group of people. So all you need to do is go to Facebook and search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community and um, and just request to join. It'd be great to see you in the group. Mm. Now, let's move on to this week's topic, which is great. Now, it's called um, 
size does matter. <laughs> yeah, okay. How to use lighting, focal length, and perspective to optimize your portraits. Mm. So how to use lighting, focal length, and perspectives to optimize your portraits. Okay, yes. this is this is a good one. So yep. what made you think of this and what do you mean exactly? So, I, like, when I'm shooting and particularly when I'm shooting group shots and when I, when I say group, that could be any more than one person. I'll define that as a group. So okay. what happens is the human figure comes in all shapes and sizes, Val, as, as we know. So, and, and like, th- th- this is fine if you're shooting a group where everyone happens to be the same height and the same sort of size, right? But it can be problematic when you get people who are so much taller, you know, one person is really tall and one person is really short. Some, someone might be a bit heavier, someone might be a bit slighter and how to arrange Mm. them so that like one person isn't standing out and you want to kind of even out the group. And there are lots of techniques that you can use by introducing, um, things like focal length and lighting and perspective hacks that we can do that really balance out the group and can get it, make it look much more even. And this is something that I really grappled with early on in my career when I didn't really understand how focal length worked and how arranging and perspective worked in, in terms of photography. So I would often shoot a group uh, using my wide angle lens because obviously I wanted to get everyone in. In and I'd move in close because I would kept thinking I need to fill the frame with everyone in the group and I'd move in close and I was always disappointed by how my group shots look because everyone at the front of the group looks so much larger than everyone at the back of the group. So it never looked Ah. balanced and even. And I wanted to get those and I could never get the shots that I saw like in magazines or on billboards where it's like, how do they get everyone to look the same size where everyone, like I'd always have my people at the back looking slightly smaller. And you see this uh, when someone brings out their iPhone or their smartphone at a party and let's do a group shot. And if you're the poor sucker that's right at the front of the group, you always look at the photo, you go, why am I so much bigger than everyone (laughs) else? You know, so even knowing these hacks means the next time you're at a party and someone suggests to do a group shot, you're going to know by the end of this episode exactly where you need to be in the group to make sure that you're like looking the best in the group so that it's like you're not looking larger or so much larger than everyone else or so much smaller than everyone else. So this is the sort of thing that comes in handy. Like often as photographers starting out and as you're advancing in your career, you're going to get asked, like one of the first things you're going to be asked to do is either a couple shot or a group shot. And then as you move on, you might be photographing, um, you know, bands or corporate shots of groups of people together. And so knowing all these little tricks and hacks is really going to help you create uh, lovely, even looking shots and flattering looking shots of everyone and also 
like you might be shooting the CEO of a company with all these people behind him. And, you know, if the CEO happens to be larger than everyone in size or much shorter, you want him to look like the hero of the shot. So how do you go about that? And also you can use uh, all these little uh, tricks and hacks that I'm going to share with you to help when you're photographing even um, single images of people where someone might have a particular problem or perceived problem feature like a larger nose or wider hips or a large tummy or a common, common problem, one eye larger than the other, or mm-hmm. use it when you're posing people's hands because often this is something that people have a problem with when they're uh, photographing someone and you want to bring hands into the shot so they might have their, their head resting in their hands or their hands in front of the camera. Often the wrong lens is going to make the hands look huge in the shot and the, and the head looks like a pinhead. So it looks like you've got this person that's got these giant hands and this tiny head. So how to avoid yeah. all of those problems. Love. <laughs> Love this because this is definitely an issue and um, I have no doubt that a lot of listeners are going to find it useful. And it's not only, I find it not only an issue when I am taking the shot, it's an issue when I'm in the shot. <laughs> exactly. So you've got to know where to be in the shot, Val, to make yeah. sure you would be part of lots of group shots, I imagine, because you're doing all those uh, speaking gigs where at the end of the gig or at the start of the gig, let's do a group shot happens and you don't. You shouldn't never just like uh, wander in and put – because everyone tends to put themselves on the side or kind of you just happen to be at the front, but there is a, there is definitely a spot that you need to be well, to make sure that you're going to be the, the thing, most. the though, is that when you are vertically challenged like myself, everyone yes. always puts you in the front because yes. – you're vertically challenged and therefore you are nearest the camera and therefore you have much more chance that you're going to be gigantic Yes, (laughs) compared to everyone else. Yeah, but shot in the same, in in the right way, Val, with the right lens. Like I know Mm. exactly if I had you as part of a group and uh, I had like all the other people in the group were a little bit taller than you, I could actually make you look like the same height and the same size as everyone else. Awesome. Let's you do it. Love. <laughs> I'd love to be the same height and as everyone else. And then everyone meets you and they're like, oh, I thought you were much taller. I know. <laughs> and you're like 5'10", right. aren't you, Val? Yeah, 6'2". <laughs> you're 6'2". Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. That's how you look in photos. Um, all right. So all let's, right. Let's Where do we start? Down. All right, so let's talk about focal length first. So that's uh, the the length, the focal length of the camera of the lens in millimeters that you use is going to have a big impact on how the people in your photo look. So. Uh, the first thing that people do when they're thinking, oh, I'm going to shoot a group shot is they're going to bust out their wide angle lens. So anything under maybe uh, 30, 35 millimeters is, is going to be wide. And it means that you're going to get, um, it's easier to get a large group of people in. Uh, and as the photographer, you don't need to be all the way down the other side of the room to get everyone in. So it's a, it's a natural first choice. Unfortunately, yeah. The problem with a wide angle lens is it does distort 
the, the, the room and the closer the lens is to the subject that you're photographing, the more distortion you get. So if you've ever shot an interior valve, with you, you've got the 24 to 105, right? Yeah. Right. So have you ever gone to maybe take a shot of Rexy in the room when he's doing something? It's always Rexy. <laughs> Your cat when he's My doing cat. something amazing, which is probably like he just like every is sitting minute there of the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at him. He's so amazing. I know. And you get him in the room. And so obviously you're thinking, all right, I need to have Rexy as the hero of the shot. I want him to be prominent in the frame. So you're going to, yes. but you want to get the beautiful background in because he might be out, the, the background might be the beach or something that he's there, mm-hmm. right? He's there in the window. So you'll come in close at 24 yes. millimetres and mm-hmm. you'll fill the frame with Rexy. And what happens is like Rexy's huge in the frame, but you'll notice that if you've got architecture in the background of your shot, the verticals start to go askew. Have you noticed that? They distort. I, I have not actually because <laughs> I have been so focused on my baby Rexy, but I will now take notice. Yeah, so what happens is it distorts the angles. And so when you're photographing a group, uh, what happens is if you've got a group of people and you come in really tight with your wide-angle lens, whoever is closest to the frame is going to appear much larger than the people at the back of the frame because that's how a wide-angle lens works all right so the workaround for this is if you only have a wide angle lens to use then back up a lot until and you'll notice keep moving back until you notice that your verticals in the frame uh become vertical they're not they're not askew Okay, they're not distorted. And then you found the sweet spot of your wide angle lens and that's a safe spot to um, shoot from and that's going to behave more like a a standard lens, like a 50. It's not going to distort as much. So that's a workaround for for that. If if that's all you have in that sort of situation, you can do that and that's going to make everyone look a bit better. To take that to the next level, what I would do is when I photograph my group shots, I always use a long lens, a longer focal length. So I've got my 70 to 200. And yep. if it's a smaller room that I'm working with, I will probably shoot at about 70. If I've got a lot of space, I'll probably shoot it around uh, 100 to uh, a focal length of 100 to maybe 120 to 150 uh, millimeters. And that means that what happens when you use a longer lens is it compresses the background so it compresses everything in the frame so a long lens long focal length makes everything in the background appear closer than it really is so it squashes everything together a lot more whereas a wider lens gives a sense of space a longer lens brings everything closer so that's why when you do you use a longer focal length for landscape shots and you've got like the beautiful mountain range and a figure in front of the mountains the mountains appear to be much closer if you were to shoot that same scene with a wide lens it's going to have a much greater sense of space okay so you use the longer focal length to your advantage when you're working with a group shot. So what I like to do is if I've got like a a lot of people in the group, 
um, it, it, it balances everyone out. So the people that are in the back of the group are going to look like they're a similar size to the people at right. the front of the group. So that balances everything out, okay? So um, that's the workaround for that. And the, the, but the, if you bring the people, the, if you use the longer focal length at a lower angle, Val, you're going yeah. to give the impression that the people who are vertically challenged look <laughs> taller. Now, so what I do when I'm shooting group shots of people standing and this when I mention it to anyone and people that I've um, mentored in the past have said, no, they're freaked out when I've suggested this. When they're suggested, okay. Because they've been shooting everything wide and I'm like, no, get rid of the wide lens, let's go long. Let's drop like you're almost on the floor. So it's like I'm using a small tripod. It's at its lowest setting and I'm sitting down. So that's how low I am. And I've got my long lens at like at around 100, a focal length of 100, and I'm pointing up someone's nose and they're like oh no you can't that's not how you shoot portraits because it's going to make their chins look huge and it'll distort everything yeah it does with a long focal length it that's not what happens if you do that with a wide lens you're going to make people look hideous it doesn't work but if you use a longer focal length it doesn't even look like you're on the ground it looks like you it all normalizes. And the other thing I do is I actually get the people at the front to actually lean towards the camera slightly. So if they're standing up, I want them to look like they're, they're, they're about to fall over, like to lean forward towards the camera. And that helps with uh, the perspective as well. So it gives the illusion that they're much, much taller and um, they're slightly, uh, they, they own the, the shot. So if you've got a shorter CEO or someone shorter and you want them to appear more powerful in the front of a group, drop the, drop the camera angle, use a longer focal length and um, shoot them that way and ask them to lean in slightly and uh, it, it evens everyone out. If you're doing a group shot, uh, again, keep your uh, camera angle low, long focal length. You need to move right back. So often when I'm shooting a group shot, I might be 15 metres away from the group, all right, and I'm directing right. them from there and I get the entire group in, but it's a really even shot. Everyone at the back is a similar size to everyone at the front and no one stands out and you don't get that sort of um, pinhead look that the mm. wide-angle lens gives you. So, so right. that's the background with shooting groups, and that's I have always sh- shot my groups in that way. Okay, now a little word of caution. Right. When you're shooting uh, group shots, and there is another episode uh, on photographing groups that we've done, Val, in that's the past. Right, the previous so episode. Search it out. That, uh, that, that'll go into the um, uh, exposing and uh, F-stops and all of that when you shoot group shots in a lot more detail. But a word of caution, when you're shooting a group on a longer lens, you want to be at around F-16, 
F11 and a half, F16 uh, as an F-stop to make sure that the people at the front are going to be sharp, the focus. people in the middle are sharp, and the people at the back of the fr- uh, of the shot are sharp. So just right. don't be going in and then shooting, oh, yeah, I'll shoot at F2.8 because yeah. uh, Dina said shoot long and then you get your group shot back and the people at the back round up. But I'm, I'm, for this particular episode, we're talking about balancing out the size of people, but just remember that, keep that in the back of your head to yes. uh, keep an F-stop of around F-16 when you're shooting a group shot, even if you are shooting at a, on a wider lens, that's just a safe F-stop to shoot groups at. Great. Okay, that makes a lot of sense for sure. All right. Okay, so, so then what else do we need to focal length consider? And, and shooting angle. So low shooting angle, long yep. focal length is going to even out the shot. The next thing you want to talk about, I want to talk about is lighting. So okay. when we choose the style of lighting, that this can have a big influence on uh, the, how, how large or small someone looks. So if you light someone flat so that it, they can look uh, – two-dimensional and larger than they really are because there's no shape. So, can you define um, what you mean by flat lighting, so just in case? If, if I don't had know. a uh, person standing in front of me and they were lit by a window that was directly behind me, yes. all right. So the lighting is just flat lighting. There's no shape to it. There's no shadow. They're okay. well lit, and I call this like you know just stock standard beauty lighting. So there's just light all over their face. There isn't any tone to the light. There isn't any dimension. So the face is very flat. And that's going to make it appear quite two-dimensional and uh, a lot larger. What you want to do if you've got someone that is uh, slightly on the larger side is Mm. uh, light them with some dimension. And the way you do that to give someone, make them look a bit more three-dimensional and this can make them appear smaller and give them shape is to add shadow. All right. So there's a couple of techniques that that I've talked about before. There's short lighting and Mm. broad lighting. So short lighting is when your model is posed so the main light or the brightest part of the the body is turned away from the camera. So you're shooting into the shadow side of the face. This is going to give the appearance that uh, that, that it actually narrows the face and it narrows the body because it gives it a three-dimensionality, right? Uh, yep. The opposite of that is broad lighting. So if you've got someone that's very, very thin, that has a very, very narrow face, you want to light them with broad lighting. And so broad lighting is when the model is posed so the main light or the brightest part of the face is closest to the camera. So you're shooting into the highlight side of the face. Short oh, yes. lighting, you're shooting into the shadow side of the face. Now, I right. know many, many, many of the listeners have uh, purchased a, a styrofoam head to practice yes. on. And some of them uh, have also uh or they already own their own little G.I. Joe doll or little yep. Barbie doll or whatever you have, get your Barbie out or or if you've got a real grown-up Barbie and a couple of people in the Facebook group I notice have their very own grown-up Barbies as well. <laughs> Um, or someone that you can photograph, maybe try and find someone that has a narrow face and someone with a broader face and experiment with short and broad lighting and have a look at the difference. Yeah. So do, 
try short lighting and try broad lighting and then just try light just using flat lighting where there isn't any shape and have a look at the difference and how uh, how flattering it can be and so if you know this and this becomes part of your repertoire it'll be that it'll come to a point where you don't even have to think about it you'll just look at a person and you'll know okay they do have a broader face so I'll make sure that I'll light them from the side and I'll make sure that my um, I, I will turn them turn their face so that I am photographing into the shadow side of their face and that's going to bring yeah. the face around into three quarter the fact that there is a lot of um, uh, shadow on, on the face and when I say shadow it doesn't need to be heavy moody shadow it can be like half a stop difference but just to give a bit of definition to the face and shape to the face it's going to give an optical illusion that that object appears a lot narrower and I do this a lot now in my retouching valve, so if I've got someone, uh, maybe they're in a, a swimsuit, uh, there's a lot of skin, they've got their arms and, and legs. When I'm retouching, uh, what I do is w- when I shoot, I'll, I'll add light so that there is uh, shadow and, and light so that gives them that three-dimensionality. But then I might actually use burning and dodging in my retouching technique to add shadow to the sides of the legs sides of the arms and this make uh arms that appear a little bit larger look a lot smaller and and narrower just by using light and shadow that is clever yeah so i love it okay it's a a really cool technique so um think about that lighting when you're using um working with with different people so combining lighting Focal length and uh, and your shooting angle. The yes. next one to use is perspective val, and this is a okay. really handy little thing that you can you can do. So, have you ever heard of forced perspective? And you probably have done this or have seen this done. You see it done a lot on Instagram. I right. put a link in the show notes. So basically, I want to talk about force perspective. So that's a technique that uh, employs uh, optical illusions to make an object uh, appear farther away that, that, that that's closer or larger than it actually is. So, um, okay. you know, by, by manipulating um, the human visual perception. So I've got some examples from a blog post from yep. uh, instashift.com and uh, yep. there's examples of force perspective and these are really cool arty ones where you can see that uh they have uh like there's an image there where you see a hand coming and it's holding onto a tower that is miles away and this is something like i did it when i was like 10 when i went to the leaning <laughs> tower of Pisa, and oh, yes. uh, you know my brother made me stand like really close to the camera with my hands up and so that he took a photo and it looks like i'm pushing over the leaning tower of Pisa or yes, holding Course. Right, so we've yes. all done that, and yes. uh, you know, you see examples where y- you can have uh, the sun is setting into a cocktail, or yeah. someone's holding onto a cloud, or yeah, you can have someone leaning against a, a tower, or you know, people using bokeh where they're holding onto the little ball, or the bokeh's coming out of their mouth. So they're right. examples, arty versions of forced perspective. Right? Have you ever yep. done that? Uh, I've done done the Leaning Tower of Pisa. (laughs) You've you've done it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think Uh everyone 
done it at, at some yeah. point. <laughs> exactly. So, so that you, you can use that that style of photography when you're photographing groups, and obviously you're not going to get right. everyone in the group to like hold the hold their hands out so it looks like they're holding up the Leaning Tower of Pisa because that no. you know, corporate shot it's not going to be you know it's not going to go down that well. No. <laughs> but just knowing that uh, the fact that anything that's closer to the camera is going to appear larger. Yeah. Smaller or shorter people closer to the lens and larger people further back will balance out the size of models. So you can yes. use optical illusion. So um, what I do is I bring the smaller person um, closer to the camera and I always have my larger people further back to balance it out. And I also mm. do things like overlap larger people in the frame with smaller people so there's an optical ah. and it's not like we've made them any smaller but we've just cut into their body using other people so we only see part of the person and I also do this when I'm photographing someone on their own I, I might bring in uh, an element into the frame like if someone uh, I want to make someone's uh, uh, a body appear smaller I might have uh, a pole in front of them or a wall or part of a wall cutting into their body to make them appear smaller and that's the same sort of optical illusion we're not doing anything but we're, we're just sort of using other elements to give the illusion and it really works that the person is uh narrower than than they might be all right so using yeah. people to overlap that that really helps um and the final thing before I go into my little examples, I, I, I've drawn people, Val, for, for, for examples for all of really? these. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, wardrobe choice can help as well. So, uh, wardrobe Although you don't always have control over that when you're shooting a group, oh, I do know, you? But if you yeah. do and if there is a pre-meeting with the, yes. uh, the family that you're about to photograph, you can make some suggestions. So uh, if someone in the group is slightly larger than everyone else, you can maybe suggest that they wear uh, clothes that are just one colour and that's going to give uh, the yes. impression that they're uh, like a, a lot smaller because once you start – um, you know, getting them to when they when they're wearing, say, multicolored patterned shirt with uh, different color pants, it 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 blocks up the body and it can actually yeah. make it larger. And also, um, often people that are a little bit larger in size tend to wear can can wear like oversized clothes to sort of hide the fact That's that they right. might be carrying a bit of extra weight. But the fact that the oversized clothes can also make that person look larger, so they they mm. end up they do look better when they wear fitted clothes and if someone mm. has maybe uh, shorter legs wearing um, higher waisted pants can give the illusion of uh, longer legs as well so with a, a shorter jacket and uh, also avoiding clothes that are too tight because that can also make people look larger at, as can uh, patterns so you can think about that so if you're photographing someone uh, a couple where one partner is larger than the other you can maybe suggest that the larger partner dress in darker colors mm. and the smaller slider partner wear a lighter color and that can give the optical illusion that they're a bit more balanced and then use the other tricks that I've shown you just by moving the uh, the smaller partner in front of the larger one and uh, that can uh, you know balance out uh, the, the 
the group in that way. So I think the key with that for photographers is not being afraid to brief the people before the shoot. If you know you're shooting more than one person or, you know, even if you're just shooting one person, not being afraid to brief them on wardrobe suggestions. Obviously you don't say to them wear a dark colour because it'll make you look slimmer and you're really big. You wouldn't say that, but you would almost have just a something that looks like a cheat sheet or looks like a um, a series of suggestions on ideal clothing to wear for a photographic shoot. And I think that a lot of photographers, particularly those starting out, don't think to do that or it takes a while before they have the confidence to direct people in what they're wearing because, you know, they feel that people want to express their own personality and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's it, it's certainly worth making the effort to do that because you'll end up invariably with a better shot. Exactly. So and don't be afraid to do it. The other thing, Val, is it's all well and good for me to sit here and say these are all the things you should do and they work and to then try and sell that to someone when you haven't actually done it and you're not believing it 100% because as I'm yeah. telling you, I'm not even believing it. But the only what reason I believe it is because I've done it and I know it works But because it, it all sounds so counterintuitive. Don't you think that like the lower mm. angle, moving people forward, moving people back, you, you don't think it's going to work but it works and it works and, so and well. Tr- it's amazing. Try it with your Barbie dolls. Try it with your G.I. Joes and try it so, with, you know, yes. you test your it. your little Barbie doll, get a taller Barbie doll, get a wider Barbie doll, get an, a, a, you know, Know, a, a different people and just play around with this force perspective and lower camera angle. I think it's also good that if you try it on friends as well and just yes. casually at, a, at the next barbecue that you do, let's like, hey, just bring your camera and go, hey, let's do a group shot and then just sort of play around. Why don't you come forward a little bit? Why don't you move back a little bit and try posing couples as well and then this, when you see it for yourself and you see how it works, then you believe it and then you're going to be yes. far more convincing when you're telling someone else that this is what I want to do. Because even after 20 years, Val, when I'm standing in front of someone and I'm saying, I need you to come forward and they're like, oh, no, I really want to go at the back and I need you mm. to stand. And they're going, they're going, really? You're going to shoot me from that angle? Are you sure? Mm. Like, have you seen my chin? I'm like, trust me. <laughs> no. You're gonna yes. look amazing, right? So, but if you're if you don't if you're not that convinced, it's very yeah. hard to convince someone else. And also, I think it is not all of those things in isolation. You do need to test all of them. You exactly. need to actually. It's not just shoot from a low angle. It's not just you know do X or Y Z. You need to see what works by experimenting with a combination of those things. Because I know that you like shooting um, from a low angle, particularly in groups and stuff, but. I have seen other photographers try and copy you Mm. and shoot from the same angle, but they haven't factored in those other elements and their Mm. shot doesn't work. Mm. Um, And I know that because they shot me. So (laughs) saying, but Gina did it that way. And I'm going, yeah, um, there's more to it than that. So it is experimenting with that combination. Um, Yeah. You know, uh, uh, and and not just taking one little piece in isolation and thinking, oh, I, I'm just going to shoot like that from from now on. It just doesn't yep. work that way. 
Exactly. All right. Yes. What else? So in the show notes, Val, I've uh, yes. created uh, some diagrams uh, just using um, sort of little um, clip art figures that I've created just to show you how this whole thing works. And I've just used couples. So because this is a really common scenario that I find when I'm shooting couples where one um, one member of the couple is either shorter or larger than the other. And so you've got yes. this size discrepancy. So when you have the couple next to each other, it's uh, – if we just had one person on their own and there wasn't anything, uh, so if I'm shooting someone that is uh, short or slight mm-hmm. or large mm-hmm. on their own and they're, I, I tend to shoot them on a set that there uh, isn't anything else to compare to. So yeah. um, without having something to compare to, you've got no idea of scale. And so yeah. that person just can look normal size, average because yeah. there's nothing to compare. So if I've got a larger person on set, they they can look uh, like they, they, when there's nothing to compare to, they can just look a normal size, right? Yeah. But the minute you bring something in to the shot, then there is that, that comparison and then it's that scale. So if you shoot a couple where one member is slightly larger, shorter or taller than the other, the, the, it's the comparison, that that, that, that element of scale that, that – that's the issue. So what you do then is so don't have them next to each other. What I do uh, is I ha- will either bring the, the the smaller or shorter person in front of the larger person, get the larger person to go back slightly and using that low camera angle and long focal length means that the, the perspective shifts and the shorter or smaller person appears bigger and the larger person appears smaller and they tend to look more the same size and you don't get that sort of uh, huge comparison in in size difference when you do it this way. And it's really flattering to the couple and they still, and the other thing that people uh, get concerned about when you shoot this way and it's like, but I'm so far back from my partner is that going to look odd? But when you're using a long focal length, remember it compresses everything. So if you've got someone and there might be half a meter between them from the person at the back to the person at the front, once you Mm. shoot that with a long focal length, you can't even see that in the shot. And it looks like they're actually standing next to each other. Yeah, so I do this all the time with cast shots and, you know, there might be uh, uh, television presenters where the the, the main uh, presenter is much larger than all the others, but I want him to look like he's the same size. This is exactly what I do, you know. I'll push him back slightly and uh, use the others to overlap and then you get everyone looking the same size. Yeah, yeah. Okay, very clever. So, of course, you'll see these diagrams um, at the, in the show notes at ginamilitia.com. Um, I'm curious to know, Gina, because sometimes you and, – and these are great, great um, – uh, great diagrams that help figure, help us kind of How's as a reading reckoner. Well? <laughs> yeah, your drawings are pretty good. It's good clip art you've got there. Now, it, and they do make a lot of sense, absolutely. Um, I'm curious to know because in some of your images, for example, you have an over, overlapping figure where you might bring the smaller figure slightly forward and the larger fi- 
figure slightly back and yep. slightly overlapped by the smaller figure. The, sorry, the yep. larger figure is slightly overlapped by the smaller figure. Yep. I'm curious to know that when you have shot, and this does happen from time to time, if you're shooting, say, a couple, because as you've mentioned, yep. you you know, that's a very common group shot. When you're shooting a couple and the man is a lot smaller, the husband, say, is a yep. lot smaller than the wife, and it's it seems a bit counterintuitive, a little bit odd for the for, – because most shots the wife is in front, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So how do you deal with those sorts of situations? That's just bring him, bring him in. Like you can actually have uh, the wife slightly side on and right. the, you can have them sort of in a back-to-back scenario or in a V um, scenario but still have the overlap and still bring the husband um, slightly forward and, and oh, that yes, works as well. Oh, yes, I guess the V scenario yeah. can yeah, the have v a scenario. good overlap and it doesn't yes. look like she's yeah. behind him because that's so, – yeah, yeah. Okay. And what I do in that situation is uh, the larger person, I will pose them at a three-quarter. It's sort of in an in an S shape, so a nice shape, so that they're that you're only seeing three quarters of their body. The mm. smaller per- person in the in the couple, front on. So they're right. filling the frame entirely. So you're seeing their full size and the larger person, you see them at three quarter and that's already having, um, that's already balancing them out and then use right. that, um, and then use that, uh, um, technique to bring the one forward, one back and that balances the whole shot out. That's great. Fantastic. All right. So the other thing you should do, apart from checking out the show notes at ginamilitia.com, is sign up for Gina's awesome newsletter, which is a fantastic newsletter that comes out with incredible resources and stories and tips and ideas and exclusive Lightroom presets that are only sent to people who receive the newsletter. There's own, there's no way to get these presets unless you receive the newsletter and they, um, uh, you can't get the, the back copies of them <laughs> unless you purchase them. Uh, but if you want to receive them for free, you need to get the link in the newsletter. So it's certainly a worthwhile thing to sign up and you can sign up at Gina Alicia.com. All right, so that brings us to the end of this week's episode, Gina. What have you got happening in the coming week? So it's uh, got a little break coming up, Val, because I've just uh, – <laughs> so that's good and I've got yeah. – um, <laughs> You've just been on a break. I know, um, but but I've been working too. I've been shooting uh, for that whole time. So I've okay. also got an issue. We've got possums in the house, Val, in the roof. Oh, okay. Uh, like hundreds of them. Like but haven't you had this them, problem not, before? Had, I remember. It's an ongoing problem in my area. I remember so sitting in your lounge room, can I just say, and yeah. I was just sitting there with my back to the wall of the lounge room yeah. and suddenly the wall behind me, it sounded like Satan and yes. all of his minions was yes. having a party and was trying to emerge out of the wall and going to swallow me up. I had never been so freaked out that the... I know. At the scary noise. I know. And um, I thought that the possums, that, that you called the possum people, and yes. they, so they, they you did, know, took and their they came elsewhere. at great expense to cage up under the house, cage, like, you know, so that got them all out safely because they're protected here in Australia. So, like, you have to catch them and then release them. Um, mm-hmm. And so they couldn't get back in, but 
they worked out a way. They've worked as a team. They've actually pulled <laughs> the cages apart and gotten in again. And oh, so while I was away, they've gotten in, they've had a party. So now I'm actually, I've got to relocate them all at great expense. Oh, but now I've goodness. thought that what I'm going to do rather than relocate them and not give them anywhere to live is I'm actually building possum houses <laughs> around my block so uh, so that they've got somewhere to live and hopefully that'll be like you know there'll be a bit of a treaty that happens and I'm like I'll build them really nice places that they can <laughs> they can live in and uh, you know uh, hopefully they'll stay out of my roof because they've also um, knocked they they broke the heater they knocked out the, 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 the they broke the heater as in they they broke the cord, so I had to get someone in um, to repair the heater. And also, oh. they knocked out a uh, the, one of the lines of lighting, so half the house doesn't have overhead lighting. So it's lovely. Oh. I'm actually sitting here. So I've got all my plug-in lines. They're all fine. Computers and everything work. It's the overhead lights that don't work. I've only got half of those working. So I've got – I'm oh. actually – uh, podcasting in candlelight, Val. It's lovely. It's very okay. it's like, it's romantic. <laughs> All right, know? fantastic. So, um, wow. Yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, that's my project for the next few few days. What about you? Uh, you preparing for your macrame workshop, no doubt. <laughs> yes, I am doing that. I'm also uh, interviewing a few interesting people. Um, yesterday, I interviewed um, Mark Holden. Who? Oh my uh, god! I love yes. Mark. We're mates. Really. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I should have talked to him about it. He's you. a barrister now. He is a barrister now. So He's for amazing. Our North, yes, for our North American listeners, uh, Mark Holden was formerly was a judge on Australian Idol, which of course is like American Idol. So he's like Simon Cowell. Mm. Um, I guess you'd be familiar with Simon Cowell. So um, that's what he did for many years um, until recently, and then he yeah has become a barrister. Um, so an attorney for Americans. Mm. Um, and um, he, he has released a memoir, so I interviewed him oh, about that awesome. and his life in um, his best mates with David Hasselhoff of all people. Yeah, the Hoff. And uh, yeah, he's also Hoff. written songs for some really famous people. I can't it remember off the top of my shocking. head, but he's this amazing. He's when amazing. You read, when you read the memoir, it's a case of, did you know that blah, 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 blah? Did you know that Mark Holden wrote this song? Did you know yeah. that Mark Holden used to do that? Did you know? So it's His it's quite deal. interesting. Yeah. So it was an interesting um, I had a huge interview. crush on him when I was little. I told him the first time I, I spoke. I know. Because he was in the young I said you doctors. were on my wall and I oh, yes. had a crush on you. Uh, yes. I had a little crush on him. Maybe mm. not huge, but a little crush. So And David um, Cassidy. I loved him. Yeah, did you love David, David Cassidy? Cassidy. Yes, yes, I did. Life I Garrett. did. Um, not so much. Love no, life. I wasn't not really so much into now, but, but I loved uh, the Hardy Boys. Uh, you know, no. with David Cassidy. No, that's David Cassidy. Yeah, I know, but I just and loved Sean David. Cassidy. Yeah, but I didn't watch okay. the Partridge Family. Yes. Okay, yes, Partridge family as well, yes. So um, I don't know how we got into that, but um, <laughs> uh, I'm interviewing people like Mark Holden. All right, so uh, where do we find you online, Gina? 
So GinaMilitia.com, that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at GinaMilitia on Twitter and at GinaMilitia on Instagram. And you'll also find me in the Facebook group, Val. Absolutely. And you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you will also find me in the Facebook group. And please do feel free to reach out to us on social media and let us know what you think about the podcast. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. And if you do have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd be really grateful because then it helps us in the rankings. Um, And just a reminder, the show notes are at GinaMilitia.com. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Gina challenge. Oh, I was wrapping up and hadn't done hashtag Gina challenge. Lucky I'm on the ball. So lucky you're on the ball. So Mm. every week we have a a hashtag Gina challenge and then it's hashtag a particular theme or topic. Now that theme or topic differs from week to week and we upload in the Facebook group that, uh, you know, for podcast listeners, our interpretation of that topic. And you you can, you know, interpret it however you like. You can do it literally or figuratively or in whatever creative way you desire. And uh, we've uh, we can then have a look at each other's um, at each other's images, which is always great fun to see how people interpret it. So what is hashtag Gina challenge for this week, Gina? Another one I'm very happy with, Val. Size matters. Yes. <laughs> of course it's size matters. So upload your photo in the Facebook group and hashtag Gina Challenge and hashtag size matters. Remember, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.